It's Monday, June 6, 2016, and you're listening to episode 46 of Roll Up and Die. I'm gonna keep on loving poop. Oh, I've been, yeah, I've been going for like two, almost three minutes. Yeah. I've been going since I was born. I've been going for 19 <laughs> years and I'm just getting too old for this shit. <laughs> too old for this you podcast know, and shit. Have you guys ever seen The Seven Samurai, which was the the inspiration yeah. for, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, for uh, The Magnificent Seven? No, I, I, I love I, Seven I was watching. <laughs> I was watching that with a, with a, a friend of mine. I, I don't, this was the first time I was seeing it. This was years ago. And uh, the, the, the the concept of I'm getting too old for this shit had already become a trope, you know, thanks to movies like uh, Lethal Weapon and all that. Yeah. But it, <laughs> and then at one point, you know, watching the subtitles, because we got the subtitle on, and the uh, I, I, one of the characters says, uh, I, you know, I fear my, my age is, you know, uh, you know, hindering me. So, something like that. It was, it was, it was said in a different way, but it's like, was him, was that him just saying, I'm getting too old for this shit? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he was like elo- eloquently yeah, saying, yeah, I'm getting exactly. too old for this shit. Exactly. Yeah. It's like- <laughs> uh, my ears are becoming too numerous for this poop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I thought you were gonna go with like feces or excrement no. i love that you said poop dude instead. that's one of my favorite things is is swapping in the word poop for the word yeah. shit i yeah. just because i don't <laughs> give a poop just sounds great it well, sounds great it, it is a favorite amongst my five-year-old boy so <laughs> I, not, I don't give a poop dad all right yeah <laughs> no. Well, he'll sing songs and then he'll insert insert the lyrics of of poop anywhere that it seems like it's appropriate, you know. So, uh, <clears throat> you your five year old son and I have a lot in common. <laughs> I, I that too. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty. You can ask my wife. That's pretty constant. <laughs> my friend's got a girlfriend. Man, he hates that poop. Yep. <laughs> Well, we I do we, believe we should take turns singing songs and putting the word poop in it. Can that just be the episode? That's why I, we have Nate on. That's today. right. We did we did talk about doing a, a, a roll up and die musical, so we did. this could this could be it. Oh man. This could be the genesis of the roll up and die musical. All right, so Nate, since you're our guest, you should go first. A year okay. from now we'll be on Broadway. Um I I can't do harmonies, so you guys are gonna have to uh come in there. Um so mm-hmm. um, oh, here we go. Um no, I got no. I got, no songs are coming, guys. There's supposed to I be was just like a song that comes into my head, and it's. Just not I was happening. scared for a second. I was like, "Dude, guys, Nate's legit got a track list, a set list taped to his floor." I've got a stack Finally. of old CDs here, <laughs> and there, a song is going to come to mind as I look at these. So much. name 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 a CD. What CDs you got? Okay, so there's this band called Stars, the album Leaf. That sounds um, very eighties. I don't know. Page France. Um... These are all like old indie rock CDs from like 2007 that hmm. we dug out of the out of the basement because uh, we're having a garage sale this weekend. So, yeah, old from 2007. Oh, David Gray. <laughs> oh God, um, my gosh! I yeah. bet you go to any of those concerts of those uh, the bands that made those CDs, and you'll see like 99 percent of the people are wearing scarves. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it's definitely. July. Yeah. Oh, here's Ario Speedwagon. No scarves there. Yes. Ooh, no scarves. Oh, there you go. Nice. No scarves. Yes. Fle- Fleetwood Mac. Um, oh, oh, must. Yeah. 
Um, so, <clears throat> I'm gonna keep on loving poop. <laughs> Sweet victory. That is go. a new intro song right there. I think that's Ario Speedwagon. I don't remember. <laughs> that's it. I'm pretty sure that is Ario Speedwagon. It People is, yeah. are listening right now, like, God, this podcast has really gone downhill. <laughs> what are they? I thought this was an RPG podcast. What are they? they they're talking about RPGs, uh, you know, in the last one. It's was that weird. just their topic of the day? Like, is this <laughs> is this what I should expect from them in the future? Uh, oh, Matt, it's your turn. I got okay. the tambourine ready. All right. <laughs> okay, I'm, I opened up my Spotify, and I was scrolling through some stuff that I listened to today, and I found a good one. <clears throat> Anywhere the poop flows doesn't really matter to me. To me. All right, that's all right. That's good. Oop. Uh, Alex. <laughs> oh man. Um, someone give me a genre of music. Uh, somebody know. Uh, oh, 1979 oh, no. progressive indie rock played by left-handed guitarists. All right. <laughs> my genre. You got me. No. Um, <laughs> you got me figured out. You more. know the way to my heart. <laughs> um. And in the naked light I saw 10,000 poop. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't finish it. Yes. No, he did. He did finish it. 10,000 poop or maybe more. (laughs) I liked the abrupt Uh, ending. I liked the abrupt ending. Yeah. It was good. Yes. All right. Barker, you're up, dude. Okay. All right. All right. Let me. Okay. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? They paved paradise and put up a poop in lot. Is <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> a pooping lot just a big gray sort of pavement where you can yeah. go and poop? That's right. Yeah, that absolutely. Absolutely. That, I, <laughs> it's the future, now, is what you're thinking. Yeah, I think there's right. one. There's one last song that we have to sing though. What? Yeah. Happy poop day to you. Happy poop day to you. Happy poop day, dear Alex. Happy poop day to you. And many poops. Hey, poops. Hey. As, as you get older, you appreciate your poops more. Oh. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hey, man, I had a good those poop is, today. Mm. Those, are, those are special times. Still young, baby. <laughs> You're like, no one interrupted me. It was one wipe. This is great. <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad to hear it's still good, Alex. I'm, uh, I'm not, not dreading <clears throat> aging that much, I guess. It, it gives us hope. <laughs> no, but seriously, it is Alex's birthday. It uh, it's it's the anniversary <clears throat> of his 29th birthday. Happy anniversary, Alex. Thank you. Gave death the finger another year. You know, yeah. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you do. I'm good with that. What what did you do for your birthday? Or what are you doing or going to do or what? <laughs> Whatever. Not much. My wife was working. I, uh. Chop wood, <laughs> yeah. hunted a hunted a boar with my bare hands. Um, <laughs> Pretty much, I baked a cake out of the uh, the tears of my enemies, and uh, <laughs> just you just sang me a song. That's been my birthday. That's, that's my that's, Alex impression. That's pretty much it. That's it's really good. It was a nice day outside, though. Uh, nice, uh, a nice uh, temperate day, about sixty-two degrees. Uh, laid in the hammock mm. for a while, enjoying the sun. 
So mm, that's awesome. I can live with that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that sounds good to me. <clears throat> that's rad, man. Hammocks are a good birthday. Um, you know. Yeah. Hammocking is a good birthday activity. Man, that is that is like something that is just, you can't really get away with having a hammock in an apartment. And mm, I just yeah. I love laying in it. There's nothing better than laying in a hammock for yeah. like an hour, two hours, like just laying in the hammock. And there's just no place for me to put it. And it, it kills me. Like, that's my main motivation to, to get a house. It's yeah. not more space or having a yard. It's literally I want to be able to hang a hang, hammock up and lay in it. Yeah, yeah. dude. You know, when, when, you're, when you're working on doing something and, you know, you have that hammock to go to, you know, whenever you want, especially if you're working from home, that's just great. You know, I, I, oh, I, man, yeah. I, do, I do some editing, I do some writing, and then I uh, decide, you know what, I'm going to go out and lay in the hammock because I can. Yep. And that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yep. Well, we're, we're looking at putting up some hammocks, but, uh, but it's not going to be for a while. We're going to get probably just a porch swing uh, so we oh, can man. look mm-hmm. out. Oh, man. Porch swing too. too. Yeah. Those are classic, yeah. Yep. We have a porch swing that we inherited from my in-laws that we're selling our, at our garage sale tomorrow. If you guys are uh, Saturday, if anyone wants to come to uh, Michigan, come on by. I'll give you a good deal. Hang on, I'm on my way. I'm getting in the car right now. <laughs> but, uh, Do your in-laws listen to Roll Up and Die? Because you might be in trouble. Oh, uh, yeah, shoot. No, our our garage sale is going to be all their stuff pretty much, so they, they're, they're prepared for that. <laughs> but, but the hammock thing, I have to tell you guys, when we put an off, our offer on this house that we live in right now, our mm. offer included the hammock. <laughs> like we said, we'll pay this price nice. and, you know, all this the yada yada, and we want the hammock. You got to throw in the hammock. That's part of the deal. There I go. love that, man. That's it. awesome. Oh, really? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, obviously you're living there. For some reason, I thought you were talking about a new house because you're looking shopping, your house shopping. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's that too. I don't well, want that did that sound very out. optimistic and I'm excited. Oh, oh, oh okay. I can, I can cut that out in post. Do you want me to cut that out in Sensitive post? Sensitive information. No, I don't think my neighbors are listening yet. I haven't broke, broken the news yet. So I got a few days to uh, to tell them. I'm just kidding. Your, your neighbor's like, I heard you on Roll Up and Die last night. Seems like you be up and moving. <laughs> you gonna, you gonna slashed in the morning. You ain't going to keep that hammock, are you? <laughs> so, not, so, so, you, uh, so, uh, uh, Anyone looking for a house would uh, presumably go to the internet and like pull up some sort of, oh, I don't know, an image that would show them some sort of uh, way to figure out where you are. Yes. And where your house might be. What would that be? A, a uh, compass? No, no, no. Is <clears throat> uh, it uh, the, the uh, Googles? Um, Google the Earth? Googles. Oh, yeah. Uh, a. a, a <laughs> uh, is the worst. A map. Map quest. Map, map. quest. Map oh. quest. Oh. What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's 2007, apparently, dude. Is .cc becoming a thing? <laughs> uh, but uh, enough about maps. What maps. are we talking about tonight? Yeah, uh, enough about maps. Yes, everybody, welcome to <clears throat> Roll Up and Die, your uh, currently absolutely lost uh, RPG podcast. My name is Barker, and my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. <clears throat> and my name is Nate. Am I supposed to say that now? Yeah, it's sure. your turn, <laughs> okay. man. Okay. Um, <laughs> and my name is Nate. Uh, and I run the channel WASD20. Also, sell sword maps. Awesome, yes. And uh, this is why we had Nate, uh, our uh, wonderful guest on the show today, is because... Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, is because he does maps. He's he's kind of a, a cartographer uh, of sorts. And go ahead and talk about sellsword maps a little bit, Nate, and mm-hmm. kind of talk about what you do. 
Yeah, so this is a fairly new thing for me in the uh, the grand scheme of my life. Uh, there, uh, the the YouTube channel WASD twenty has been going for oh man, I think it's been two years now. Um, but the maps thing has just really started in the last nine months that I I drew my first map, you know, almost a year ago now, and just said ah, hmm. I've been playing D anD D and. Um, you know, just kind of started drawing some maps, and um, people liked them, and I've just continued to try to develop that. I'm still very much, you know, <laughs> very much developing and have a lot to learn, uh, but I'm enjoying it a whole lot and um, starting to make maps for, for other people more often, which is uh, just a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and one thing I know about Nate is that he's super humble, and I know that uh, uh, you, Matt, especially, and definitely, I think, Alex, you might have seen some of Nate's maps. Um, mm, I think yeah. I can speak for everyone when I say that uh, it doesn't seem like you're still learning. It seems like you're kind of a pro at this, and <laughs> it, what's cool about your maps, Nate, is I can see someone who's been if, uh, who's been watching your channel or like learning how to draw maps from mm. you, from your tips on your YouTube channel. I can see their maps and be like, oh, that's one of Nate's. Like, because it's got <laughs> yeah, that style. Definitely. And that's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, well, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is it is fun to see that here and there, like little touches on people's maps. It's like, oh, I think that might be from one of my videos, but you, know, you never know. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, been people fun. Take maps for, people take maps for granted. I mean, they're, they're really an art form. I mean, there's, there's all yeah. uh, sorts of maps that people make, uh, you know, in, in, you know, for real life things, never mind... Uh, fantasy maps, which are also uh, important, uh, you know, you find them in books for, you know, uh, a fantasy series or um, Tolkien was, was you know, well known for that. He might have been one mm-hmm. of the first, I'm not sure, to you know, actually provide maps in his book to, you know, to to, um, to immerse the reader more in the, in the world. Because that, yeah. it does that. It gives you the, sort of this visual um, uh, reference to, to where you are in the in this in this greater world, and even if you never ever go to, you know the the, the land of Thorin way up in the north, you know it's there, and mm-hmm. and it yeah. just it just adds yeah. so much to the story. I mean, there, there's so many places listed on Tolkien's maps that you know we never ever hear about in in his stories, but they're there, and he knows they're there. Yeah, and, yep. yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You said even yeah, if, if you, you never if you go like, there, um, yeah, they. They're they're a place in your mind more more when mm-hmm. um, when you've seen it on a map. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it give it gives everything else a kind of context within the world because you you no longer you know even if your adventurers are are you know in one region or one country or kingdom or something like that, when you get the map drawn and you think about the terrain features that are around the kingdom, the nations that are bordering it it gives you a context for that place and it gives you things that you can pull from like for for plot hooks for story arcs mm-hmm. for other characters for really anything like that or the <clears throat> history of the kingdom you know thinking about what are the relations like with these neighboring you know cultures and things like that and uh mm-hmm. for me like uh, i just recently have been mapping out Aronoff. nate has been doing that for me actually and uh the map is just about done it's really coming along and nice that for me has been huge because I've been running games in this world for a while now, but it's been confined to, like you guys are saying, this one kind of singular region, just yeah. like, you know, the, the Lord of the Rings books. But when mm-hmm. you zoom out, 
and you see just how expansive things are in all these different places and you think man i wonder what that place is like it's so far away so distant from where we are now that it has to be completely different you know and that to me is like so inspiring for sure. Yeah. And one, th- one thing I like about your map of Aranoth, which I think Nate's working on right now. Yeah. Mapping yep. it out. And, and uh, is that every place looks unique. And, and maybe mm. we'll start the conversation here. Um, it's very easy to make a map where nothing, when you know, uh, that, that, that isn't attractive to the eye. This is what, what I'm trying to mm. say is um, when I look at a fantasy map, I want to be able to look at a geographical feature and think, oh, I want to role play there. Like, I want to go yeah. to that place just because geographically it looks dope. And right. Matt, your world, and, and I know you have a lot of, uh, uh, I mean, this is kind of, What's the word I'm looking for? You have a lot of responsibility for this, and so does Nate. But uh, your both of you guys have killed it in making that kind of a, a, a statement on that map. Is there's tons of those types of places? Mm. Yeah. Well, and I think I think for me, it's important when you're building a world to like if you're going to create a place that is really really similar to another place in your world you're kind of just wasting time like you want everything to be unique and that's not to say that okay here's the desert here's the forest here's the tundra here's the mountains you know and like every everything is its own little biome basically but think about what makes this forest different from this forest what makes this desert different from this desert because if you think about our actual world if you think about the earth like there's forest and mountains everywhere, yeah. but they're all just so different. The way they mm-hmm. look, the way they feel, the the different cultures that that live there, it's all very very different. And so I think that is yeah. important to show in a map. Is look at all the, the like the variance. Look at yeah. the, just the myriad terrain and think about all the cultures that live here and all the people that inhabit it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that really can be an aid to your to your world building to just. Uh, if mm-hmm. you know in, in RPGs uh, planning adventures in a campaign when you have a map that kind of fosters your that sparks your imagination mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I think that's when you know you've succeeded is if the map if you just by looking at the map you are uh, in, like you said inspired to run a game or play in a game or something like that um, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just going to assume that a lot of the people listening right now are like me in that they might be struggling to build a map, draw a map or build a world. And so let's like, let's come up with some really good uh, tips for those people who are like, yes, I want to make a map. I've been struggling making a map for so long. Um, Let's help those people out. Do you make your map as you make the world or do you kind of, build the world first do you do you make the map first how do you guys go about it you know i don't think there's i don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do this i think there's the way that's going to work for you so for me thinking about it i have to start from the bottom up i can't start top down like i can't start with a world and then start playing in it i have to think about where are where is the adventure starting Mm. and i'm going to i'm going to pick a location in my world or i'm going to uh, you know, like for the Provokers campaign, I'm going to start with a tavern and then I'm going to start with the town near that tavern. And then I'm going to start with the landscape around that tavern, you know, and it's like, oh, and then it expands out from there. And then I start 
name dropping different places. Oh, well, the elves mm. are in Shadevale. Okay, now Shadevale's a place. Oh, the uh, you know, there's a big tundra up up way up north called the Everfrost. Okay, now that's a thing. And I start thinking about all of these different things and eventually the world sort of takes shape around the adventure. And obviously not not all of it happens organically. There are lots of things that I come up with outside of the scope of the game that I want to include in the world. But yeah. for me it's important to start small and start really simple and let it kind of build out from mm. there. That's that's how I do it. But again, yeah. there's no right or wrong way to do it. I, I do it pretty much the same way you do, except that perhaps I, I, I do like to at least outline like the continents perhaps. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like to define my borders uh, because that that's that's kind of the fingerprint of a world. Like if if you um, looked at a planet and you saw, you know, the the classic North America, South America, Africa, you know, uh, Europe, Asia, you know, all these places that we're so familiar with, it's like a fingerprint. We would recognize it instantly, mm-hmm. you know, and <clears throat> you know, even if, even fictional worlds like. Uh, 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 World of Warcraft. Uh, what's that? What's it called? Uh, Azeroth. Azeroth. Yeah. 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 Azeroth. Yeah. You know, it it it's 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 uh, you know it has a distinctive look to it. You know, you you recognize the shapes, um, and so to me, defining those those shapes first, and then like you said, starting with okay, now you know we're going to start here, and 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 build out from there because then you you leave yourself a lot of expansion room. You can you know yeah, there's this content out there, but you haven't decided anything that's on it yet so that's just a blank palette that you can you know or blank canvas rather that you can go in and and just make whatever the hell you want at any point so right yeah what about you nate so i tend to go pretty similar to uh what matt said and and alex uh i so i only have i don't do a lot of world building so my mapping has i'm thankful for the opportunities to map other people's worlds because i love mapping Mm. and i just don't do enough world building myself to um (laughs) to really i don't know to really go nuts so other people give me the opportunity to go nuts and spend hours on it every week and um so, but, but for my world, I have like, yeah, you know, I've, I created a couple cities and I've, I've run a couple games in, in a, a couple towns and cities and, um, and I've built out from there and I have ideas, uh, and, and I've, I've made more of a map, but I'd like to keep it fairly sparse until I run a lot of games in a world, mm. um, because I like it to grow organically. So in some ways, my finished map of my own homebrew world in Shar is, you know, it was, I, I wanted to finish a map. And that's not the way I probably would have done it um, if uh, it hadn't been for a video series and um, wanting to, like, show step-by-step how to draw a map. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, and I think, uh, I'm writing some notes down because this is, you know, there's a lot on my mind about this topic, but um, I, I hate to be the one that, continues to agree, but I, I kind of agree with you guys. Start small and grow outward. Um, but the pitfall that I've run into in the past is that I, I start small and then I kind of keep it like an isolated place, right? Because you're starting small. There's maybe one town or maybe one island or something that when I finally choose to grow outward, the things that I add next door to the town don't really make sense because if those things, if those people, if that country, if that faction had been there the whole time, why haven't we heard about them until right now, you know? And so right. I have to, I, you know, that I'd have to come up with reasons why, 
you know, why they'd be so isolated in this one area to where, you know, other people wouldn't know uh, mm-hmm. who they were. And so I think, I think it's, it's a good idea to, to do what you guys are saying at the beginning, right? Start small and slowly grow out. But at a certain point, do what Alex says and sketch out the entire world, sketch out names of empires, names of factions, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and really fill it in all at once. Um, you know, it, maybe like snowball the gradual process, right? You're it, gradually growing the campaign and then all of a sudden, boom, the entire world is made. That way uh, you're not A, controlling where the players are located, where the characters mm. are located, and B, yeah. it makes it so the things that you do add make sense when you add them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. No. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's something that I've run into problems with before too, where it's like, you know, you include all this cool stuff and then you step back and think about it and you're like, man, this doesn't really make sense. Like, it doesn't it doesn't make sense not only, you know, realistically necessarily, but within the context of the world, you're like, why why is that there? You know, why why mm-hmm. did I put the uh you know the 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 murderous orcs right next to the uh elves and yet they never fight each other. You know what I mean? Like you have to start thinking about but then that lends it to interesting things where you're like, mm. well maybe maybe there's an ancient truce. Maybe there's this, maybe there's this, but I do think that having at least a rough outline of where everything is even starting out is a really is a really good idea, and I agree with you guys on that point. Yeah. Um, because then it gives you again a context for how the world works and where everything is and stuff. And yeah. if someone says, "Oh, I'm from Snarhome," and you're like, "Wow, that's that's pretty far away, man!" Like you walked <laughs> a long way. But if you don't have a map and someone yeah. says, "I'm from Snarhome," you're like, "Where's that? All right. where, <laughs> is that next door? I don't know what that is. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where that is or where it is or anything like that." So. Yeah. It is it is important, I think. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen someone like a time lapse of someone doing a drawing, like on on their mm-hmm. tablet or whatever? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and they'll start, and th- something you said, Alex, earlier reminded me of this. Uh, they'll start with like very broad sketches and very light lines. Yeah. And then they'll go back and they'll go over those lines with something a little more detailed, and then more detailed and more detail, and they'll keep yeah. almost like hitting the same spots, but adding more detail as they go. That's mm-hmm. a really good way to map. Yeah. It's like it's like yeah, Bob yeah. Ross. Like you you start with the with the vague shapes right. and the and the shadows and then you start adding in the highlights and, you and all the, of a sudden the happy islands thing, to the west. Yeah, ha- the little right. happy trees, all these things that 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 looked like cuz every every episode of Joy of Painting is exactly the same. We were like this doesn't look like anything. Yeah. And then f- holy 3 crap. minutes later you're like holy shit, that look yeah. that is very realistic and detailed. This <laughs> and guy. That's, that's my very my true my, my kids too. my kids love that show by the way. They, I watched it on, first. It, it, it's, it's I on, love Joy of Painting. With, it's yeah. on YouTube now, and uh, yeah. yeah, my my son is five and my daughter's eight, and they both just you know just sit there staring at it while he paints. It's 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 awesome. That's oh, yeah. I uh, <laughs> I often have Joy of Painting on in the background at work just to keep my anxiety levels at a, at a manageable <laughs> just to keep at the, a manageable it's level. A meditation. Keep, keep the shotgun yeah. in the drawer type of thing is that what you're yeah. trying to do <laughs> and that was and that was bob ross's idea too is that you know you you do this to relax like you you, you do yeah. this to, yeah. to get away from it all and i even um there's one episode <laughs> i was watching on youtube where he says hey it's uh he's whacking his brush on the 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 metal pole or whatever to get the paint yeah. out and he says hey it's better than beating your puppy yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> and you're yes. like, you're what? not wrong. You're not wrong. You are in telling. And there's a dark, dark insight into his world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is, like, is that, Ross, hold on. That's why I want you. On is that a real thing that he said? Yeah, he, not exact words, oh, yeah. but something like better than he said, it's better than hitting a puppy he, or something like that. He says ridiculous <laughs> things like that all the time. Yeah. I have not and watched just, that since I was like five. I'm gonna have oh, to see it. Yeah, yeah. It's, on, it's on YouTube, man. Watch uh, it. All right, we'll do. Uh, but one thing <laughs> that that came to mind is like, and, and this is you know, I'm a huge Bob Ross fan. People watch my videos know that too. But um, the the thing that he really emphasizes is just just do it. And yeah. I mean, that's true of so many things in role-playing games and, and creative pursuits in general. It's just, just get yeah, out there absolutely. and do it, do something. And with a yeah. map, the thing that's important is like you guys are saying, you might realize later that, oh, this doesn't really make sense. And well, this doesn't really work so well. So, so change it or, or come up with, yeah. like yeah. Matt said, come up with a, 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 a way to justify it. But you know what? Draw a map and then change it. And then your, your map is always going to be changing. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's I that's another thing I was going to mention is like don't be afraid to commit to a map because you're afraid of it being permanent. Like yeah. you can change it all the time. I I think the map of Aranoth that you're doing <coughs> Nate I think is like map number 3 or 4 of the world at this mm. point and it's gone through so many huge changes. I mean I I showed you that map from 2005 Nate. I mean there's like one place that's called the same thing and the shape yeah. is completely different you know and yeah, that was amazing. that's just that's just me evolving the world and yeah. it, now i'm finally getting to a point where i'm like i'm pretty happy with how this is i think this is how it's going to stay mm. from now on but you know don't be afraid to use a pen you know yeah. like yeah. don't yeah. be afraid to make something permanent because if you are afraid to commit to something then you're never going to commit to it you know yeah. you're never going to say okay the dwarves are here uh the elves are here whatever um, I'm going to double up yeah. on that though and say don't be afraid to scratch that thing out that you just created oh, exactly. and uh, rewrite exactly. it because I, I feel like that's worse <laughs> than something that's uh, always fluctuating is something that's not and I, I feel like uh, your world needs to change it needs to flow because you're going to change your mind and even yeah. if, like a lot of times uh, like I'm doing now with the Winds of Sir Celine game I've been running a game while building the world. And don't be afraid to tell your players, hey, guys, I'm building this world, this map that you see in front of you. Uh, you know, it's going to be fluid. It's going to change. And uh, and don't be afraid of saying, hey, guys, remember what I said last session about, uh, you know, across the ocean, there's this. Well, and you show them the map. Well, I actually replaced it with these people, you know. And, you <laughs> yeah. know, just I'm just letting you know that your characters know that. We'll just retcon <clears throat> that whole thing. It's okay. Yeah. Like, that's fine. You're building a world as you play. That's going to happen. I like, exactly. to, I, I, like to, I like to think of a setting as as you know a, a quantum world, and until the until the characters observe it, it doesn't exist. So as long as they haven't been there yet, once they're there, it's locked. You know that you know you've you've kind of you've kind of set this yeah. in stone now. Um, but the cool thing about that is that they leave remains behind, and 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 these evolve into your maps. I mean, <clears throat> there was a, a great scene in one of my. Uh, my games where I think I mentioned this on the on on the podcast before, but the uh, uh, the char- the the player basically improvised this entire uh, scene with his with his god, how he was basically abandoning his god and and shedding his his connection to him, and he he used a special gem that we kind of came up with, and and um, it, it was just a great scene where the sh- where the gem was shattered on this mountaintop and in, in this ring of stones. And he just walked away and left it there. And now that is there in my world for oh, someone yeah. else to come across. 
That's awesome. You know, what does this mean? You know, why is this here? You know, I, I love things like that. You know, those artifacts that are left by previous campaigns and, and parties and characters. That's cool. That's like, um, oh man, that's like, that's that, that fluid change that you're not in control of. That's like a treat. Mm. As, yeah. a, as a GM, you know, oh man, I remember you're looking at your map. Like I remember when this person did this and then it changed my world. That's cool. Yeah. That's another thing too, is like a map is just <clears throat> a snapshot of a world. Mm. Like things are always changing. Things are always in flux. And you know, if you're, if you wanted to really drastically change something in your world, it's like, you know, have a campaign start a hundred years in the past or a hundred years in the future and, mm-hmm. and everything could change. You know what I mean? Like yeah. boundaries and borders could change. Nations could rise and fall. It's, you know, our own world is constantly changing. So it makes sense that yours yeah. would as well. Yeah, for sure. Another thing I like to do is, is involve the players as much as possible, especially, yeah. especially in an open world where, where it's growing. And, and, and if they're on the frontiers of, of my world, like I have some things that are established now because other you know, campaigns have, have taken place there, but at the fringes of the world, you know, things are still, you know, uh, in, in quantum flux. So, you know, yeah. I, you know, I might, I might ask a player, you know, it's like, well, what, you know, what does your character know is beyond the mountains and, and have them sort of describe what's, what's over there and, and get their input to create part of the world because, um, as a GM, I love to be surprised by what's in my own world. You know, whether it's created yeah. by whether whether it's created by the players in in their campaign or by you know what they imagine is somewhere else. You know, they may make up a town. They may say, uh, "Yeah, I remember this time I was I was in uh, uh, Thorfast and and um, I, I got in a bar fight." And, and they'll just mention it offhand. And now now that's a place that you have in your world. It's somewhere. You know, yeah. and, and you you know, I'm gonna second that idea because I'm not very good at taking a blank sheet of paper and turning it into a map or a mm. world, but I'm really good at if someone says, "Oh, there's a volcano here," I'm really good at taking that volcano and building around it, like <laughs> yeah, starting yeah, with yeah, something yeah. that someone else gave me. So sometimes I'll ask the players, like, "Hey, uh, tell me what." these people call the moon or something and they'll tell me what these locals call the moon and I'll write that down and Mm -hmm. that automatically spurs inspiration for a a million other things just because they gave me that little taste. So you kind of of like an oyster. What's that? (laughs) So you kind of like an oyster and and they just apply, give you that little irritant while you produce a pearl. That's too scientific for this podcast. (laughs) Irritant? (laughs) Yes. Oysters magically poop out pearls. That's everybody knows that. <laughs> and everything comes back to poop. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it all comes back to that. It all comes back <sighs> to poop. Uh, so how do you? This is this is going to be kind of a somewhat change of pace, but but I have a lot of trouble with this. Well, I, I used to less now, but I know a lot of people do. How do you guys name things? On your map, because that's that's a you guys know that a lot of people <clears throat> view that as a huge obstacle, mm. like r- name uh, names of mountain ranges, names of towns, names of whole regions or empires. How do you go about doing that? And I'm going to so, start with uh, with a uh, I'm going to start with Matt because he was just about to say something. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I'm going to start with someone other than Matt, and I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that I have I have three really basic techniques that I use when I name stuff. Uh, the first is I do it simple i think about words that describe the place mm. stone rift shade veil you know i think about 
white crag. It's like, it's very descriptive. It tells you what you need to know about the place. And it, you know, it kind of evokes, you know, maybe some imagery. The other thing is thinking about different languages and root words and things like that. You know, the desert in my world is Sonnegeist, which, you know, is German for sun ghost, basically. And it's a desert full of undead. So it's, you know, it might evoke something and it has a cool meaning to me. And then the third thing is delve into the history or the lore mm. of your world. Think about important events, important uh, heroes or legendary figures in your world because things would be named after them too. You know, maybe there's mm. a yeah. a hero that died fighting a dragon on top of a mountain and now the mountain is called, you know, Iomadai's <laughs> Bluff or something like that, you know, where he, where he died. And that's cool too because it can uh, tell your players a little bit something about the world as well. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. What about you, Nate? Do you do you do a lot of naming yourself, or do you just kind of uh, ask the the people who are commissioning with you? Well, I I do some of my own naming, and I have had people just say like, "Hey, I want a world, and um, you know, I want three towns, two cities, and go nuts, go, you know, and, have um, fun, have at." And so I, I have done that for people before, and I I enjoy it. It's uh, it's a little more work, uh, but. It's good practice for me. So yeah, I've, I've named mm. things, and I, I certainly have named things in my own world. And I often just go to the name generators online. Um, I don't. Those are good. really good. Way I'm to just like yeah. you know spitting, hitting that generate, 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 generate. Oh, there's a good one. I like <laughs> that know? one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's and, there's um, no shame in that. Yeah. And, and I, one that <laughs> I, I got stuck too. on a while back was uh, I think I can't remember if it was like Persian names. Or I think it was I think it was Mesopotamian names actually. And I just I just loved them, so I, I grabbed a bunch of Mesopotamian inspired names, mm. and that's how I got the name Inshar of my homebrew world. It's uh, I think it was Mesopotamian. It's actually pretty similar to Ishtar, one of their uh, gods or goddesses. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Um, but there you go. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I I like the the cultural name generators. And Matt, I I find what you do with the languages pretty inspiring, and I, I want to do more of that. Like looking up words in other languages. I know you've done that with German, mm. with Greek, and and other stuff. And I think that's pretty yeah. cool. Well, it's just it's cool to look at a to look at a word that describes the place, and then go back <clears> to <throat> the very root of that word, and then kind of mess with it a little bit, maybe add in another word to make it sort of a compound thing. And then uh, most of the time, it sounds pretty cool and new and unique. So yeah. 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 I think I, step inside. The, oh, go ahead, Alex. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say that I think also including um, some consistency in the naming can help, uh, particularly in, within regions. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the cities in my world within a certain area are, are um, have the prefix Tal. So mm. there's Tal Hestus, Tal Navishar, uh, um, uh, you know, and, and so, but it, it basically stands for city of, you know, yeah. so. There's a lot of real world examples you can look at, like Hamburg, right, or uh, you know uh, Leningrad, Stalingrad, yeah. you know things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then in another continent I made in uh, someone else's world was like the 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 continent was uh, Norbrek, and uh, and then you had Harshbrek and 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 Falbrek, and and they all had this this Breck suffix at the end. But mm-hmm. so, but again, they stay, so they sound like they're kind of coming from the same cultural you know roots. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that too. Keeping things consistent, and uh, I think Barker, you actually had a video on that too, like keeping uh, things racially consistent. So, so dwarven mm. cities. I remember your video said will all end in. I don't know. Do you remember what it was? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was core. Yeah, core. core. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yep. Just be you know, and it's you know, um, 
that was just you know what applied to my world you know I, you know the dwarves live together the elves live together it was really stereotypical like that but mm-hmm. i think ultimately you just get in the shoes of the people that are in the world and see you know what would these people call this yeah. place would they call it ashton v because it you know, oh, it means something. Or would they call it mm-hmm. Edgewood because it's at the edge of a freaking forest? Like, yeah. where, you know, how important is this place? What would they call it? Uh, and, and you know what? Dig into your tastes. You know, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be super immersive in your world. My world is called Enkea because Yulad Enkea is my favorite Nazgul from playing the <laughs> Lord of the Rings trading card game. And so I, I spelled it differently. So, yeah. So, you know, um, I might have to edit this out in post just so they don't sue me someday. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, just have fun with it, you know. Yeah. And uh, th- I think the worst thing you have to worry about is if you name something that, uh, like, I, I give something a name that sounds too much like something that already exists mm. or something that rhymes with something perverse that your players can be like oh <laughs> we're going to lick nut you mean lick nut yeah it's hard to be original do. in all things rpg mm. all things creative you know I, I think it's hard to be original yeah. yeah um matt there's a place on your world that we found out was oh that's like uh in azeroth there's a place called this yeah, uh, I know. I was, yeah, I was bummed about that. <laughs> and I had one in my it? It, it was, I mean, it was pretty generic. I think it was like the Silver Sea or something like that. And someone's like, oh, that's from this novel. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. like, you know. Yeah, um. it's it's tough because that, that those things tend to stick in our mind. Mm. And yeah. we'll, we'll hear something that we think sounds cool, like Westfall, which is, you know, the thing in my map that ended up being from Azeroth. And it was like, yeah, Westfall's cool. And I had used it a few times before in different things. So I was like, yeah, let's let's do Westfall. And then there's other things, too, where I think I come up with a name that just came out of nowhere. But then I look back at, like, an old map or an old campaign that I was running. And I was like, hey, that's where that word came from. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. it, it sticks in your brain. Yeah. And our, our brains are like these little sponges that hold on to that kind of stuff just forever. So yep. it's <laughs> sometimes that'll happen. Sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll make a song and I'll be like, oh, it sounds so good. And I'll show it to my friend and be like, uh, yeah, that's the that's the postal service. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly and they'll like put this. it on and be like, oh, no. God damn it. <laughs> Barker, can I can I can I tell the story about the about the NKM map? Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this was the worst thing ever. So I uh, months and months ago, I had shared the basic outline of the continents of Aranoth with, I think I, I shared it with just the provokers. And so yeah. Barker and Nate, you guys had seen it and months and months went by and Barker was working on, uh, the supplement, uh, the 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 world master supplement be a better campaign you know, master yeah i was working be a better campaign master. i was working on the map with nate in one of nate's mapping episodes yeah. that's right yeah. and barker <laughs> barker sends us this image of this really awesome coastline uh and he's like i think this is ankea and i'm looking at it, i'm like man that that is really awesome barker and then i go i feel i feel like i've seen this before and i i kind of start <laughs> thinking about it and i go oh shit and i'm like barker i don't want to be this guy but that is straight up just aranoth and he's like Dude, really? And I, I send him the picture, and he's like, "Oh shit!" It's the it exact is. same. It's the exact like. He looks like he traced it. Like I was like, "Dude, that's." Ugh. And I felt so bad. And it was one of those things where I was like, "You know what, Barker? I haven't made my map yet. Take it, take it." And of course, Barker was like, "No, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> he said underneath then, his tears. 
Yeah, but then Bar- Barker, the map that you ended up with is so cool and unique looking that I'm mm, I'm yeah. glad that I crushed your soul like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me too. Yeah, I, actually, that, br- that brings me to kind of thinking about how I made it is I took uh, different – I ended up taking different countries and putting them in Photoshop, just the, the outlines, yeah. like little PNG files of them. Mm-hmm. And I mashed them all together and then drew the outline where I uh, around them. So if you look at my map, like – it's it's very difficult to tell, but there's <laughs> I know that there's bits of Greenland, Greece, uh, Norway's in there somewhere, uh, Japan <laughs> is in there somewhere. Like I mean, just a, yeah. it's like a co- coagulation is not the right word, but for some reason I always say it when I mean mixture. Uh, coagulation is something that happens to a latte when it's been sitting there for two weeks. <laughs> anyway, <Delicious>. but it, <laughs> it's just a mixture of different countries. So yeah. that you know, try that. Uh, I think ultimately, if you're having trouble uh, making your map. Uh, try making your world a little bit, and if you're having trouble yeah. making your world, try making your map a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Kind of that's true. Yeah. help each other. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, fractal generators out there too that you can uh, online that you can use that can kind of at least generate the kind of basic coastlines of places, and you can yeah. just keep hitting enter and enter and enter until you get a shape you like. And and yeah, if you're looking for something really, yeah, you know, quick and easy. That's a good way to do it. And then, you, and again, you can always change it or modify it or, you know, move around with it later. But it gives you something, you know, somewhat random, it's, which is kind of what you're looking for. But um, uh, you yeah. still want to get that some kind of unique shape to it, something that someone someone recognize after, you know, a period of time. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, you know, with the fractal generators, I've never been a fan. Like I, I like I love them, but I've never found one yeah. generation that's like, oh, that's my world. But I, f- I see things inside, like little parts of each generator, uh, each thing the generator spits mm-hmm. out that I'm like, oh, I want a little bit of that in my world. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely don't be afraid. Oh, like you just said. Oh, yeah. To- no, and I, I definitely prefer to draw my own world. But it, but again, if you if you're just starting out and and. You know, you're you're stuck on on what to do for a coastline. Then just use one of those as a as a starting point, and then once you get that, then you can start, kind of say, oh, you know what? There needs to be an archipelago here. There needs to be more fjords. You know, <laughs> yeah. Do this, you know, and, and then you can kind of start playing with it. But it'll give you a starting point because, um, you know, kind of like kind of like you were you were saying, Barker. Sometimes having that little, you know, that little seed to start from can make all the difference when you're trying to create something. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, um, and like Nate said, you know, just do it. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. What, what's the best way to learn how to play guitar? Well, you play guitar. What's the best yeah. way to learn Photoshop? You get into Photoshop and you do it. What's the best way to learn how to do a map? You draw a map. Yeah. And uh, so, what if though? And I'm going to start this. Uh, this question is directed at Nate first. Um, what if I want to make a map that is one biome? Uh, a good example of this idea might be. A um, like uh, I know that one of the uh, some people enjoy snowy or arctic uh, worlds that are all cold or uh, I know that dark sun is kind of similar to this you know a lot of people Mm -hmm. are tempted to when they're making the world oh I have to have a jungle and a forest and a desert Mm -hmm. and I have to have a coastal line and an arctic place Um, what if I want to make just a desert world how do I make a map of that Without it being boring and just a map of desert. <laughs> well, I think you know if you're if you're doing multiple biomes, the the biomes themselves are showing the <coughs> diversity. And if you have only a single one, 
you know, you're going to have to show other very minor variations. So you might get a lot more yeah. detailed than you normally would. You might, you know, my maps tend to be fairly uh, wide open. I don't, I don't try to fill everything in. Um, but you might just show you here's, you know, in this spot, there's a big crack in the ground, <laughs> you know, and in this spot, yeah. there's just a ridge. And in this spot, there's, um, you know, some, some sparse, very dead vegetation. Normally I'm not going to show those things on my map, but if it's only one biome, I'm going to try to you yeah. know, to show the little things are going to rise to the surface a little more. Yeah. I think maybe your, your settlements will pop out a little more too. If you really take advantage yeah. of the different types of settlements you have. Right. And in a, a desert world or a, you know, any harsh climate, you know, you're going to show every, every little settlement. Whereas, you know, in most, you know, rich kind of fantasy worlds, you're, you're probably only going to show the bigger cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. Uh, well, before we jump into answering questions and stuff, um, let's divert a little bit because there's another type of map that we've not talked about. And, uh, this could be a whole episode. Um, but what do you guys think of encounter maps, like grid maps that you lay out? Mm. Um, do you use them? Have you used them? Uh, I think we may have talked about this on a previous episode, but either way, if you wanted to draw one of those, where would you start? Uh, we're talking zoomed in towns, taverns, ships, things like that. Where where would you start if you're if you're drawing one of those, Alex? Well, I don't normally do grids. Usually, if I if I make a, a map of of a of an area that the players are going to be encountering, I'll I'll you know just draw it out without that sort of thing. I mean, I'll give some sort of size reference, but um, uh, for me, I I, I I, you know, usually start with, um, uh, the outline of, of what I'm making. Like if I'm making a castle, I start with the outline and then, and then start working my way in. Or if I'm making a tomb, you know, I'll start with, you know, where is this, where is the set? What is it in? Is it in a hill or a mound in the side of a mountain? Is it in a crypt? Um, you know, what, what's, what's the, what are, what are the boundaries I'm working with? And then, and then I'll sort of begin filling in details after that based on, you know, what I need for that place to be. Okay, cool. So, so start big and then kind of going deeper. Do you, and I know you've talked about this before. You, you, uh, you utilize Google and stuff like that if you're trying to look for like a floor plan or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if there's, uh, there's a lot of maps out there for old castles, uh, cathedrals, cities, towns, everything like that. I mean... You know, the, there's there's a lot of stuff you can start with as a basis because these things grow organically. You know, yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing this uh, uh, this this meme on on Facebook or something like that where it had uh, uh, a, like it was a a map of like a, a, a an aerial map of New York and, and you see all these ro- you know you see all the roads like a grid and it says uh, you know. Um, uh, New York streets because we want to help. We want to make sure that it's easy to get where you want to go. And then they show an aerial map of Boston. It's like, and Boston, because fuck you. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the streets are based on cow paths. And yeah, we, right. we, we have the same <laughs> issue. Albuquerque is a grid. It is an yeah, absolute yeah. grid. 
uh, Santa Fe, the roads, it's like you're in freaking Hogwarts. They change every time you go. It's like, oh no, it's changing and I'm on it. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing, you know, the, you know, cities and towns tend, you know, especially in the old days, tended to grow more organically. They started from, you know, a farm, maybe a farmstead even, or a keep or something like that, or a tower. And then, you know, more, ta- more houses grew up around it and then farmsteads and then you know, uh, artisans, and, and then they just grew into these towns and eventually cities. So you want to think of it in those terms, you know, how did this place grow? Yeah. You know, what, what, what was the, you know, what was the starting point? Was it a mine? Was it a, uh, a crossroads? Was it a, um, just, a, a way station along a long highway, you know, between different parts of the world? You know, what, what caused this place to, to become a place? You know, why did people settle here? And once you yeah. get that kind of settled, then, then then you can kind of imagine how it would grow organically into either again a village, town, city, whatever you're whatever you're building. Awesome, yeah, that's a great idea. Start small and just build it outward. Um, Matt, lately you've been drawing a lot of dungeons and stuff and caves. Yeah. Now, what's your inspiration for that? Do you just flow? Do you just just do it? Yeah. Well, what I so what I do when I'm normally like drawing like a dungeon map or something like that is I, I draw a bunch of shapes on a piece of paper and I'll draw circles and squares and hexagons and then I'll combine them and make them kind of these crazy shapes with little alcoves and stuff. And then I connect them with hallways. And I find that that's, that's pretty fun um, Mm. to do it that way. But that, that doesn't lend itself to, dungeons that really make sense necessarily not that dungeons need to make sense but it's also fun to think about what was this you know like alex was saying you know did this town start because there was a mine you know where is this tomb located you can you can do the same thing with a dungeon like what did this dungeon used to be before it was a dungeon because you know most dungeons don't start out as a you know (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna build a cave and put a bunch of monsters in it you know obviously that does exist but most of the time it's like oh it's an abandoned mine or uh it used to be a wizard's tower or whatever and so once you kind of think about what did this used to be what's the kind of basic history of it who used to live here who lives here now Mm. then you can map it out and kind of make it make sense because you're like well it's a castle they need a place for people to get into the castle and wait to see the king. So I'm going to make the entrance hall. And then, they, you know, they would need servants' quarters. So I'm going to make the servants' quarters over here. But it is just kind of fun to to do shapes and connect them with hallways and stuff. And that can be, that can kind of lead to fun, chaotic dungeons. But, you know, you can kind of do that with, with just about anything. And that's actually something that I was going to bring up is, you know, we've been talking a lot about making a map, drawing your coastline, things like that. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with drawing a bunch of circles on a piece of paper and then writing in the names of what those things are. Like, mm-hmm. just so you know where things are in relation to each other. Yeah, like, yeah. here's this kingdom, here's this kingdom, there's a mountain in between them. Boom, done. And that at least gives you a basic idea. You can you can achieve the same thing with a hex map. You know, hex maps are great for people mm-hmm. that don't necessarily, you know, uh, want to, to deal with coastlines and trying to draw a map that looks good. But if you have a hex map, at least you know the terrain and the settlements and things like that that your players yeah. are going to be encountering. I remember one of the first things you did with Aranoth, Matt, was it was a Google Doc, and you started at, like, the northern tip 
of Aranoth and just went down north to yeah. south, named a place, named a type of uh, climate and what they're known for. And you just went, you know, without yeah. drawing the map, you just labeled all these places. I wrote a map. Yeah. Yeah. You wrote a map. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've always been better at writing than I am at drawing. So I was like, I'm just going to write where everything is. And my piece of paper is going to be my map. It was brilliant. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Well, let's go ahead and uh, and go to Nate because uh, you, before we take a question. Sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> did you did you I, did you want him to talk about anything in particular yeah. or? Oh yeah, like do you draw? So okay, Nate, do you draw dungeon maps and stuff like that? Okay, so I I do uh, rarely. Um, I I just don't run that many games. Um, I I wish I I did, but. Um, yeah, this stage in life is just not meant to be. So, but when I when I run games, I often make dungeon maps, and um, yeah, I often just take inspiration from from uh, dungeon maps I find online and kind of you know hack them to pieces and, and pull a Frankenstein of uh, well, here's this dungeon, here's this castle, here's <laughs> this, and uh, here here we go. <laughs> and um, like Matt said, it's it's good to think about the purpose. I try to do that, but. Yeah. Um, I, I often turn to I think it's I can't remember if it's the the five e dungeon master's guide or the Pathfinder game mastery guide that has like types of dungeons they probably both do but um, I, I find those helpful because it's mm. it, it doesn't make sense to me for my players to well you come across another dungeon another you know place where where um, <laughs> people used to be held a prisoner or something you know uh, and so yeah, yeah. the uh, you know this is an old factory this is an old mine whatever it is i think that's important but i really also enjoy making outdoors um encounter maps too i mean just a just a a woodland scene um those are a lot of fun yeah seniors you did one with like a town in it that looked really good i think you were following a tutorial yeah yep and that one uh probably wouldn't be that great for encounters but uh i do make them like zoomed in sometimes too where you're you know um your your terrain is your quote dungeon right yeah yeah for sure and i think that's you know those are great for handouts when i was looking at that town yeah. map that, that's mm-hmm. and, and i am a huge supporter of handouts to your players mm-hmm. you yep. hand out your world map hand out every map because if i'm a player and i see a world map i get inspired like that's oh, i want to go there i want to role play as a person who knows this map and that that's exciting to me so you know yeah. definitely give the uh, give that power to your players i think yeah, and here's here's a cool trick just for a quick world map. If you're uh, if you're you've never done one, just rip off a piece of a, a, a old paper bag, um, grocery bag or whatever, lunch bag, and get a sharpie and just draw a quick rough map and say, "Oh, you find this." Uh, it's an yeah. awesome little yeah. prop that's just like, <laughs> "Hey, this shows some rough locations, and you didn't know this before, but now you have something." <laughs> for some reason, I pictured a plastic bag. Like what? Like you find this? That's weird. This is plastic. <laughs> the, you got it's the Albertsons artifact. logo still on this. <laughs> There's a banana peel in here, man. Come on. This is my trash bag. We recycle these. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and take a question. Uh, and this is problematic, uh, the question that has the most likes, but sort of fitting since we started this episode singing. Oh, no. I know. Well, you know what? We might luck out, Matt, because I don't think we know this song. But Jacob N. 
asks, and I swear this got the most likes. It's got 15 freaking likes. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Jacob Ben says, my question, will the three of you please sing the I'm the Map song from Dora the Explorer in unison? (laughs) I have never ever seen Dora the Explorer. No, that's perfect. To answer your question, Jake, uh, the answer is no. All right, let's go to the next highest. (laughs) (laughs) No. Now, Nate. Yeah. You have kids. Alex and has kids too, so he probably well, knows the map song. No, they, it, <laughs> no, Alex is, Alex's <laughs> kids watch the Predator. Like oh, yeah, your kids yeah, watch Dora. My, the my kids are the zombies. So, you know, <laughs> Dora the Vampire Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, hold on, really quick. He had his YouTube video here. Hold on. Hold on. I got. I can do this. Okay. <clears throat> If the oh nope, here we go. If there's I'm, a I'm place you gotta go, I'm the one you need to know. I'm the map. 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 Oh my goodness! I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the Nate. Map. Help me. Thank you. <laughs> Are you happy, this Jake? Is... Are you happy? Oh my gosh, you were right. At the very end of the song, he just screams it. Oh man. Like, in case you haven't been listening to the song, kids, I'm the map. Yep. All right. Well, oh man. Well, I'm no. glad that's done. Well. Okay. Uh, the next question uh, looks like it got 10 likes. Uh, by the way, if you're listening for the first time, uh, we have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash roll up and die, and you can. Uh, check out that page and like it or whatnot. And every week we will post a question there regarding our topic and you can ask your question or we'll post our topic and you can ask a question and the one with the most likes will get answered. And obviously we are slaves to the people and I will sing and make a fool out of myself (laughs) in front of the people. Okay. Uh, Eli K asks a question here. How would you integrate a map into theater of the mind play styles. Is he talking about a dungeon map here, guys? I, I, I don't think it matters. I mean, yeah. a, a map is a map. I mean, I, I, I think the best way to do that theater of the mind would be to provide, like we were just talking, a prop, you know, handing yeah. a, you know, something that looks like a real, um, a real map, you know, yeah. something, you know, right. burned along the edges or rump, you know, r- you know, crumpled and stained, that sort of thing. Because then, then, then it's going to increase immersion for people who, who prefer that sort of, you know, you know that that sort of feel to it. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, I can. Uh, the props can really lend themselves to that theater of the mind style. Also, another thing that I like to do, and I'm not sure if this answers your question, Eli, but um, I would like to like go to a, a Kinko's or a copy shop or whatever. Um, and print out a large copy of the map and mm. put it in the middle of the table and have yeah. like a figurine uh, or the miniatures be where your players are on the world map. Mm. Yeah. And the reason I like that is because your world is always present. And personally, this might not apply to everybody. I think that lends itself to theater of the mind because, yeah. you know, we're not using a grid the miniatures might not even move the entire session because you might always be in the same town, but just knowing what's around you, it's, it's a constant flow of inspiration to me. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's very immersing when you have, you know, a town map that you're not putting minis on or anything like that, but you're saying, "Oh yeah, and and the, you know, the uh the butcher that you need to go talk to is over here." And he, you know, uh this guy wants you to follow him to the docks and you know, to see that it just immerses you. You don't have to put minis yeah. on and, and get all strategic with it if you don't want to. Yeah. And, and for those kind of handout maps, you really want the most, um, you know, rustic looking map possible, you know, like, like, uh, like Nate's idea of the, of the, pa- of the paper bag with, you know, the, the Sharpie on it. Th- those, those kind of things are awesome because yeah. again, it, it looks like something you could find in a dungeon. It looks like something someone might give you, uh, you know, with the dying breath, you know, maybe even put a little bit of blood on it. So, you know, from when the guy died to handing it to you, you know, it's like, it's here. You can get it if you hurry, you know. <laughs> yeah, this took you know, thirty seconds to draw, and it's not going to be anything fancy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so you can impart this information in maps to the, to the players, but in, it, you can do it in a way that 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 keeps them in the game, and so they they get to maintain that immersion. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. I think on the off chance that he is talking about. Uh, an encounter map like with a grid on it. Uh, mm-hmm. I've done that before. I've used encounter maps, but theater of the mind, I've mixed the two. And the yeah. two things I do is I take that map and I remove the grid and I don't measure anything. I just have yeah, it there. Yeah. yeah, I have it there for the players to look at and get inspired by and think, oh, there are barrels over there. Well, I'm going to tip a barrel over, you know. I don't I don't say, well, that's 35 feet and you only have 30 feet of movement. I don't right. do that. You know, we, we might even <laughs> – we might put the miniatures on the map and just move them around, but it's not like, all right, take your turn yeah. and move your miniature six squares. That doesn't happen. Yeah, definitely. If you're using a game that, that uses like zones or – I can't remember what they call them, but – you know, like like uh, I think the Star Wars games do, don't yeah. they? Yeah, um, yeah, the new and Thirteenth uh, Age is when I played, and the DM, yeah, he just had uh, maps printed out on eight and a half by eleven, like computer printer yep. paper, and and would you know he would just use his pencil to point. Okay, you could sneak around there, and you know just using his pencil to point. Nice. Yeah, and that's especially useful if you're if you're in a situation where it's a complicated room or a complicated setting because. You know, if it's just a square room and there's a bunch of guys in there, then it's then you can do a theater of the mind pretty easily. But if it's, you know, if you're talking lots of little hallways and alcoves and 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 pillars and things like that, then 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 the player having to sort of try and imagine that, you know, based on what you're saying, it can get confusing and that can actually pull them out of the game. Whereas if you just put down this this map, boom, this is what it looks like. Okay, now I don't have to worry about trying to think of that. I can keep I can stay immersed in the game. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree. And Matt did it really well in the Crore games um, with oh, with his yeah. map. That was it was all theater of the mind, but this was mm-hmm. an aid to, um, I guess, getting strategic about how we were going to defend this area. Yeah, there, there yeah, is, yeah. it was a map, and and I don't I, I the only word I can come up with to describe this type of map that Matt does is cartoon like, but that always sounds like an insult to me. I don't know a better word. But it's. I mean, scale. I, I don't think. I don't. I don't think that's that's insulting at all. It's just. It's very basic. Like it doesn't yeah. look realistic mm-hmm. at all. It's. Yeah. It like you were saying, Alex, it, or or I think Nate was saying it too. It's like it looks like a map that someone would draw really quickly, mm-hmm. like yeah, from right. this world, you know. So right. scale's not a thing. Like you know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you you put you know three or four areas around the map that had certain resources that we could go into and you know use the wood or the obsidian or you know whatever the resource was. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, real simple map. How long did it take you to draw it? I mean, like ten minutes, maybe Boom. at the most. 
Awesome. And then Tim d- took three hours on it and made it look really cool. But um, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the thing with that too is that it helps with decision paralysis. You know, because if you yeah. if you just have literally the players can do anything, they're going to sit there and be like, um, well, is there this? Is there this? But if you if you say like, all right, here's a basic map. You've got obsidian over here. You've got a a a, a big giant skeleton over here. You've got some dry wood over here. There's water in the center. There's like three ways into this little area that you guys are in. And it's like, cool, we've got three points that we need to defend. Here's our resources. Let's come up with a plan, you know? And you're not limiting them necessarily, but you're giving them lots of stuff to choose from rather than having them have to, like, pull the information out of you. Like, guess what the, you know, I hate that, that guess what the Dungeon Master's thinking game. I hate that. So (laughs) giving them them a little bit will allow them to, you know, get a lot out of it. So For sure. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let's come up with an idea that people can steal, and if you are struggling to make a world and make a map of that world, it's your lucky day. Pause the podcast, get a piece of paper and a pencil, because right now we are going to make the the basic beginning structure of a world map uh, for you to draw while we talk about it. Uh, mm. So Matt, the master yeah. of the dice... Uh, yes. let's uh, go ahead and roll it and we'll go around and just add things to the map. Do you guys want to start small like you guys recommended earlier? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, let's do that. So. Yeah, why not? Cool. All right, so I'm going to do the well, D12 here. Well, one of these days, I'm going to say, hey, you guys want to do this? And you're going to be like, no. No, mm-hmm. not even and, a little. And then I'm, <laughs> I'm going to retire. Because you have, you have, you have, I don't know, face the trials and succeeded. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've got the D4 here. I'm going to go with the D4 to make it easier. And uh, we're going to go in the order that I have on my Skype. So one is me, two is Alex, three is Barker, and four is Nate. Okay. And that is, that's a four. That's Nate. Ooh, okay. Nice. So uh, I, I guess we would start with um, a... A few islands, let's say, that are just very, um, they, they have kind of a, uh, well, I, I guess like a fractal quality to them where they're just kind of, it's almost like something exploded uh, in, in this water or something. And so there's just this spattering of little islands and there is there are no major cities. There are only small towns and settlements oh, on these it. islands. Awesome. Nice. I love it. Okay. Here we go. Rolling again. That's a two, so that's Alex. Nice. Okay, so the 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 uh, the, the starting point is going to be one of these fishing villages that is uh, on one of the cliffs of, of one of these fractured islands. Uh, we'll call them the Shattered Isle, and and so this uh, um, there's uh, along the ridge of this cliff. There's there's this village, but they also are built into the cliff itself. So the the the, the houses and buildings sort of work their way down this this kind of sloping cliff to the uh, to the to the seashore, and and they have their boats and they and they look out um, to the east um, uh, to the to the pale sea they call it because the uh, um, uh, when the sun rises there's there's this kind of constant haze in the horizon uh, that they've uh, they've never ventured into, but the uh, uh, it's 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 a small fishing village they. They have uh, uh, kind of very organically grown up along this cliff, and uh, uh, along the uh, at the very top, 
as all of these villages have, is, is a very a kind of tall, narrow lighthouse to not only mark the town, but also to help navigate through these, um, through these, uh, these shattered islands. Nice. Mm. Very cool. Awesome. Okay. Um, that's a one. So that's me. Okay. So I think on a few of these islands, maybe, uh, just a handful of them, there are tiny little forests and wood is somewhat of a commodity here on these islands because there's there's really not enough space on a lot of these islands and they're very they're very rocky islands there's not a lot of soil on them and because there's not a lot of space the trees don't grow very well so these islands that have the trees on them are usually points of contention among the settlements and so you have these little tiny forests on these spits of rock out in the middle of the ocean and oftentimes uh if a settlement you know goes out to uh to collect lumber for you know building houses building tools heating their homes things like that um often fights will break out between the various settlements and sometimes uh the creatures that call these forests home as well awesome all right i'm rolling again and that's you barker no yeah no believe it or not believe it or not man it's you what are the odds don't tell me the odds okay (laughs) so i'm gonna i'm gonna you've guys you guys have used guys have started a nice world here and i'm gonna kick off the campaign um these islands the shattered isles uh the the players are gonna start on one of these islands and they understand that how important the woodlands are and how dangerous they are and how, you know, these some factions of people uh, often fight over the resources there and, and the wood there. So that's kind of your first adventure hook, I think. After that, um, when you, when you kind of want the, uh, the campaign to start growing, word is spreading that to the east in the Pale Sea, dragons have emerged from the sea have been sighted Mm. coming out of the ocean and that only you, you know, you need to scout these out and find them. And when the players do scout out the dragons and find them, they actually find that they are wooden ships that are shaped like dragons and that these isles are to the West of a large continent of people. And that you are role-playing as the tribal people that are, now being discovered and colonized by the new technologically advanced races to the east. Nice. Awesome. And I think that's yeah. a cool way to start <clears throat> small and then mm-hmm. grow outward. You know, what about yeah. those yeah. people to the east? You know, yeah. how many countries are there over there? Stuff like that. Yep. Right. Very cool. Because then you've drawn these, then, you know, if you, when you talk about drawing the map, you've drawn these islands and now, now you can draw this, this, this coastline and yeah. that's it. And then yep. so that, that's your world at that point. Yep. Yeah. And then when you're ready, you can add to the coastline. If you ever yeah. want to. You don't even have to. So. <laughs> yep. Cool. That's awesome. I, I hope you guys uh, nice. enjoyed making that. I am super inspired by that. If I didn't yeah. already have a world I was trying to build, I would steal that idea. <laughs> build it <laughs> Yep. Um, thank you so much, Nate, for joining us. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and talk about uh, Cell Sword Maps one more time. If, if I want, yeah. if I'm a person, which yeah. I'm not, but if I were... And I wanted to, because I'm currently living inside the internet. If I wanted to, <laughs> perhaps 
have you draw a map for me, how would I get into contact with you? So yeah, if you go to sellswordmaps.com, you will find a uh, commissions tab there and uh, you can just fill out the form there and get in touch. Um, and yeah, I also have uh, just uh, some some samples of my work there that you can check out. And uh, you know, soon there's going to be an Aronoff map over there, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. I've got uh, one that I helped out uh, recently. Uh, our good friend Mike the Piper uh, and yes. uh, made one for him. So yeah, check him out over there. Awesome, cool. Uh, and you know, we did at Absolute Tabletop. We just got done making a well, just just got done about a month ago or two months. We got done making a uh, a supplement called Be a Better Campaign Master, Book One: Building the World. And yeah. Nate helped us with it. There are a lot of ma- great mapping tips mm-hmm. that he put in that book. Uh, it's about building a world. So if you go to AbsoluteTabletop.com and you uh, type in the code. Uh, I'm trying to think of a code other than the word poop, but uh, I, for some reason it's not working. <laughs> I, uh, make it, make it poop, make I, it poop. All right, if you type in poop, all, all caps. This is all caps. James is going to be like, what the a hell bi- is this? Yeah, what is this poop coupon code that we have in our system? <laughs> then, a, bi- a big poop. Yeah, then you'll yeah. then you'll be able to get uh, Be a Better Campaign Master book one for uh, 50% off or something. That's what we'll put up there. So thank nice. you, everybody, for joining us on Roll Up and Die, your lost but now found RPG podcast. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And my name is Nate from WASD20. That's a tambourine. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on Drive Through RPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming. <laughs>